The Bible says, where the Spirit of God is, there's liberty. Father in heaven, we just thank you that ultimately in you we have freedom. Freedom from the, our sinful nature and freedom from this world and Satan's deception because of your Holy Spirit. And God, right now, we just plead with you that you would send the Holy Spirit to us to be our teacher and our guide in your word. Father, we just thank you for every person that is here today to hear a very special message from your heart to theirs. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, very good. Did you guys have a a good 4th of July celebration? Did you guys enjoy fireworks? Did you watch fireworks? You know, I raced down to Southern California to visit my family. Uh, my niece really wanted me to come down there, so I, I took a, a quick trip. It's about five and a half hours, six hours. And I was there, I got there uh, Thursday morning. And uh, some relatives were coming over. And it was really interesting because I have, uh, where I live, we have... Um, some white people over here, and they go all out for the, the 4th of July celebration. And then we have some Hispanics over here, and they go all out for the 4th of July celebration. And then we have the Indians right here. And uh, we go all out for 4th of July celebration. Yes, Indian people celebrate 4th of July too. You know, we were freed from Britain too. And uh, so... Here we are, and my brother-in-law, he decides that this year he's going to buy a bunch of illegal fireworks to compete with the other neighbors. And, uh, you know, and so, unfortunately, they brought up all the alcohol as well, and uh, it was such an interesting experience, Fourth of July, because I have relatives that are Sikh. You guys know what Sikhs are? The ones that wear the turbans? And uh, my family, when they would light the fireworks... It was oftentimes a moment of celebration. And so, <laughs> this part I thought was very unusual. One of my uh, relatives, he has this turban, he's an older gentleman. He goes up there, and he lights the fireworks, and everybody's kind of watching off, the other neighbors are watching. He lights the fireworks, and he's in a dancing position. <laughs> and he's waiting. And all of a sudden, the firework goes off, and he dances his way back into the garage. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> You know, I grew up within two different cultures, so, you know, to me this seems normal. To other people, it's not normal. But uh, I really like Fourth of July celebration because I get to celebrate my country, the country I was born in, its history. Freedom is such an important thing, amen? And God has blessed us with opportunities. And right now, many of those freedoms are in question. But if there ever is a time to follow God's word, it is now. Amen? As I said before, 2 Corinthians says, where the spirit of God is, there is liberty. In other words, outside of God, one does not find true liberty. But in Jesus, you find true liberty. In fact, the law of God, and this is for the theologians, is so designed in such a way that it gives the highest sense of freedom to a person. It teaches them that we are not bound by this world. In a world that is going fast, in a world that is stress, uh, stressful, in a world that is heading this way, the Sabbath is a radical commitment that you are faithful to God and that you can make an intentional decision 
to follow Jesus in the midst of everything. Ladies and gentlemen, we have so much to be thankful for. Can you say amen to that? Well, the name of this sermon is called Temple Run, and I have been encouraged by several kids to call this Temple Run 2. I'm not quite sure, but that's what's been the uh, suggestion. But the name of this sermon is called Temple Run. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking a good look in the book of Haggai. So everybody take your Bible. Let's go to the book of Haggai. Haggai chapter 1. Now if you don't know where Haggai is, if you open up your black Bibles, you'll find them in page 916. 916. Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1. Page 916 in your seminar Bibles. We're going to be going there today. And we're going to be studying out the first chapter of the book of Haggai. By the way, you guys know camp meeting starts next week. Do whatever it takes, ladies and gentlemen, to go there. You know, this last weekend I was invited to go speak in the Washington camp meeting, and God tremendously blessed. And I realized something, that that camp meeting, that is really, truly special hours ordained by God. You know, in the Old Testament and into the New Testament, many of the Israelites were invited several times out of the year to go to the feast days. And as they would go to these feast days located in Jerusalem, they would gain such a powerful blessing, it rejuvenated their spiritual lives when they went back. You see, God had designed it in such a way. And we have the camp meetings of today. So if you've never been to camp meeting, I really highly suggest you do what it takes to go out there at least for a day and be blessed. And there's information in the lobby. All right, we all in Haggai chapter 1? All right, a little bit of the context. A little bit of the context. God had opened up the doors for the children of Israel to rebuild Israel. At that time, they were conquered by Babylon. Babylon utterly decimated the temple and Jerusalem and Judea, and many of the people were scattered. However, through providences, God allowed the children of Israel to return and begin the rebuilding process. Cyrus, the great king, in fact, when I was in the British Museum in England, I took a good look at one of the cylinders, and he actually has a decree where he's sending nations or people back to their nations to rebuild their temples, which coincides exactly with what the Bible says about Cyrus. And so the children of Israel began this process of heading back to rebuilding the temples, or the temple. And so what they did first is they built the walls. And through a series of experiences, God led the people to succeed in this. However, during that time, the children of Israel began to hear all sorts of reports, all sorts of suggestions, and all sorts of unusual things coming from the enemy, trying to tell them that they should slow down in this work, that they should utterly stop the expansion of their kingdom. And it was during this time that God raises up a man by the name of Haggai. He was a prophet. And powerful messages begin to come from Haggai to the people of God to revive them, to continue the work that God has called them to do. We're taking a good look at Haggai chapter 1. Haggai chapter 1. Let's see what the Bible says. In the second year of King Darius, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by Haggai, the prophet of Zerubbabel, the son of Sheetil, governor of Judea, to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Now watch this. Saying, thus says the Lord of hosts, saying, this people says, the time has what? Not come. The time that the Lord's house should be built. 
Apparently, God gave a message to Haggai, and he says, look, the people are starting to murmur. They're starting to talk. And they're saying all sorts of rumors, and they're spreading this, and it is spreading like cancer to the rest of Israel. And God hones in on exactly what they were saying. You know what they were saying? It's not the right time. It's not the right time. Circumstances are happening. This is not the right time for us to spend time, resources, money, influence to rebuild the temple of God. It's not the right time. They were looking at all the various situations that were happening all around them. They just got released from Babylon or the Medio Persian Empire to go back and rebuild. And so when the focus came to rebuild the center of Israel, the temple of God, some of them begin to murmur and say to each other, This isn't the right time. It's not convenient. You know what I'm starting to realize about words more and more? Words are so powerful that they are like seeds that are planted that may not have at first an effect. But when those seeds are planted due to time and circumstance, they will produce some kind of harvest, whether that harvest is good or whether that harvest is evil. And so seeds of rebellion begin to just be inserted in the minds of their people and doubt begin to spread and they say, wait a minute, we can't be doing this. This is not our focus to rebuild the temple. You see, the temple was supposed to be the center of all of Israel. It was the place of worship. And that when they were focused on this place of worship, much of the world would come to Israel and they would say, tell us about your God. You read the story of Solomon. The Queen of Sheba came. Other pagan kings came. And they wanted to know about the temple. They wanted to know about this God that they had built this magnificent temple for. And now... The work of God is being called into question. Resources are scattered. People are scattered. They're not united. And the time comes where they're saying, you know what? This isn't the right time for us to be doing this. Ladies and gentlemen, I want to tell you something. And this is from my heart. There will never be a time when God's work is convenient. Never. There will never be a time when everything just works out in such a way where you just think, well, this is just convenient. God's work is never convenient. And we should understand this. So we should never think to ourselves, well, circumstances are so, we are not called to do this because of what's happening around us. And so this is what all the people were murmuring during that time. And it began to spread like cancer. And everybody said, you know what? I'm not going to work on the temple today. I got some priorities I got to take care of. And they begin to stop the work on the temple. Well, let's see what happens next. Verse 3. Then the word of the Lord came by Haggai the prophet saying, Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in paneled houses and this temple to lie in what? You know what he does? He hones in on what exactly is the problem. You see, the problem isn't whether it was just inconvenient. The problem was they actually had another focus. Their focus was no longer to dwell in tents. They actually wanted to start building homes for themselves. Their temporal interest actually took a priority over eternal interest. And it was this time where God says, the reason why you're murmuring is because you're not actually focused on the house of God. 
You're not actually focused on worshiping the Lord. You're more focused about your business and about the temporal things in your life. And this is why the temple lies in ruins. Ladies and gentlemen, we need to understand something. Because I know this is speaking to some people right now. That the things of this world are always going to seem like they have a priority over the things of God. And there's going to be experiences that we're going to come across where it seems like those things are going to have more precedent in our life than what God wants us to do. Many times we quote from Matthew chapter 6 verse 33 and we say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and what? All these things shall be added to you. You know what we like to do? We like to switch that verse around and we say, well, when things are finally added to me, then I'll seek second the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Ladies and gentlemen, search your heart on this. Even your pastor is not immune from these things. Amen? There's been times in my life where I just think to myself, well, you know, I am the senior pastor now. Maybe it's time for me to start putting some roots down. And in in fact, when I first got here, let me just tell you a story. When I first got here, I thought to myself, well, I'm going to be here for a while. And so what I'm going to do, I'm going to start looking for a house. Anybody who's ever been house hunting knows it consumes you. You know what I'm talking about? We're just like, oh my goodness, this is the perfect house. I'm going to put a bid down and some investor comes with cash and pays it all off and then you don't have the house anymore. And you're just disappointed and you're thinking, God doesn't love me anymore. I know what that's like. I know what it's like to place worldly priorities over the things of God. And where the worship of God becomes second. It becomes neglected because of everything that's happening around you. Ladies and gentlemen, the Israelites were making a a very huge mistake because what they did is that they took their eyes off the prize and began to focus on everything else around them. And you know what happened? A drought came. The Bible actually tells us in Haggai that God actually withheld the blessings because their priorities were off. And there was an adjustment that was needed. God had opened the doors for such a providential opportunity. And now everything was lining up for this momentous time to rebuild the temple, to restore Jerusalem, restore the temple worship. And all of a sudden the Israelites got distracted at the very key moments. Ladies and gentlemen, we are at key moments right now. And the devil is doing whatever he can to distract us, to take our eyes off what's important and put it on temporal things. But if there ever is a time for us to be paying attention and to say, you know what? What does the Lord require of me? It is now. It is now. And just like Haggai gave this very pointed message, getting right down to the roots of the problem, the children of Israel were utterly convicted. In fact, let's continue. Verse 5. Now therefore, thus says the Lord, consider your ways. You have sown much, And bring in little. You eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages, earns wages to put them in a bag with what? Holes. Now watch verse 7. Thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You're like, God, how come I'm doing all the right things with all my finances? I'm seeming, I'm just doing all the right, I'm putting my money to a savings account, I'm paying off my bills, but why is it that I'm still feeling like I'm not blessed? 
Why does it seem like all these bad things keep happening to me and when it rains, it pours? Amen? And so why do these financial disasters keep happening? Why is it that my temporal life is not being blessed? And God begins to point that finger and says, this is the reason why. Here's the pulse of the problem. Let's continue. Verse 8. Go up to the mountains and bring wood and build a temple that I may take pleasure in it and what? Be glorified. You looked for much, but indeed it came to little. And when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, says the Lord of hosts. Now watch this. Because of my house that is in what? Ruins. While every one of you runs to his own what? House. God says, I'm not blessing you anymore. It's not helping the situation. And so God actually removes the blessings. He allows a drought to come in. And the children are going to say, wait a minute. How come we're not being blessed in our temporal life? What's going on over here? And God says, you're neglecting your priority. You see, ladies and gentlemen, when God freed you from Egypt, and if you're not free from Egypt, you're not free. When he called you out of Babylon, he did not call you simply to become comfortable in the church. He called you so he could use you to rebuild a temple of praise. This is why God frees us from this world, to help other people be free. But oftentimes we can get into the experience or the rut where it seems like we're just planted among thorns and it begins to leach out our very spirituality. And I have been an evangelist long enough to know, notice this. When it seems like God is doing a powerful things and all of a sudden the worldly temptation comes in, the situations come in, and the people begin to lose focus on what's important and they begin to take their eyes off God and step by step, they're, moving, they're moving towards the path of destruction. Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling us to refocus, to get our priority state. He's calling us to just renew our commitments to God. Because, ladies and gentlemen, if there ever is a time God has called us to focus on what's important, it's now. Amen? Oh, I know this message is cutting somebody right now to the heart. And that person doesn't want to say amen. Let let us all say amen. 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 You know, oftentimes I'll read a message in God's word, and I'll read it, and I know the Lord is speaking to me. And I do do what many people do. I'll turn to the book of Psalms. I'll say, I'll find something else to read. That's encouraging. And then you look at Psalms, and you're reading something that convicts you there. And you know what you do? You close your Bible, and you say, well, what I'll do is I'll probably just listen to a Christian song. That'll be my devotion this morning. And then the song is convicting you too. And then you say, well, I'll just go to church. And then you find the worst thing over there, the message that is coming from the Word of God. Ladies and gentlemen, God is calling us to understand what our spiritual priorities are in life. And let me just be very frank and honest with you. Do you mind if I be honest with you? Are you sure about that? I don't know if you're sure about that. Are you absolutely sure that you want me to be frank and honest with you? This church has been neglected. This church has been neglected. Other priorities have taken first place for us. And we have neglected our calling to this place. Just like the temple that was broken down, and the children will just walk by and say, well, that's pretty messed up, and go to their own houses to make sure everything was taken care of, every comfort was there. Look back and see that broken temple. But this comes first. And what began to happen 
ladies and gentlemen, is happening to us. The church is starting to fall apart. I'm speaking from my own heart right now. We are neglecting the functions of this church. It has become some of the most difficult things for me to do as a pastor is to find people to fill positions of the church. And it's like, who wouldn't take an opportunity to do something to glorify God? Look, I'm not asking if you can do it good. God will qualify you. But the church has been neglected because of the things of the world. Everything else has a priority besides the church. And the church only becomes a priority if it's convenient. And if it's on the way to something else. But God is calling us to reconsider and to examine our ways and say, wait a minute, am I committed to my church? I told you about that story one day. I told that story again about the man who gets lost out in sea, is on a boat. All right, he gets lost at sea, and he's on this boat. The boat falls apart because of a storm, and he makes his way on some of the, the wooden planks. He gets to an, uh, a desolated island. He gets there, and he's there, and he builds different structures on the island. A plane comes, spots him, picks him up, and he says, Hey, did you survive okay there? And the guy was like, Yeah, I survived all right. There was plenty of coconuts there. I had coconut water to drink. The rain came. There was even some game on the island I was able to hunt. I was okay there. He's like, Good. He said, We also noticed that you were building some structures. What were those structures? And he said, This I built three structures. This was my house. That one. As they're flying away. And he says, The second one. That was my church. That's the church I, went, I go to. I'd go there and I worship God. And the airplane pilot said, What about the third one? And he says, Well, that's the church I used to go to. Ladies and gentlemen, God has never called you to be a church hopper. That term doesn't exist in Scripture. God has called you to be committed to the church. And if He has led you here, ladies and gentlemen, He is calling you to be part of the body, not just part of the church. The body is the living part of the church. And the body is the part that is active and moving around. And if we're not part of the body, guess what? We're not alive. And so God is calling his people to re-examine their ways to say, wait a minute, God, where do you want me to get involved in the church? What can I do for you? I told you the story many times, and when they asked me to preach my very first sermon, I messed up so bad. I went into my car and I hid during the potluck time. And it's commitment to hide from the potluck time. But this is what happened. I said, all right, I'm going to still do it. I got up there and I continued to do it. And if you keep doing it, you're going to get better at it with the blessings of God. Can you say amen to that? God has called you not to neglect this church. And there are many things that are being neglected in this church. And we are starting to take a step towards the wrong direction. And unless we reevaluate and say, wait a second, God has called me to be active. We're going to head down the same fate the Israelites did when they neglected their temple. God gave a very important message, and he says, do not neglect this temple. And he says, otherwise, there's going to be a drought. And sure enough, the children of Israel were experiencing drought in their temporal lives because they were neglecting the most important things. God has called you to be part of the body and to be active he has not called you to be just come in every Sabbath and sit. Unless this is your first time. <laughs> but you talk to me afterwards. We're going to make sure. This won't be your last time. 
and you have something to do. You know, it's interesting. I went down to Big Basin a few months ago. I took a couple Bob workers, three Bob workers with me, and we went there and we saw these magnificent trees in the Santa Cruz Mountains. Huge trees! Big trees! And we were so uh, just blown away how big these trees were. And they were, there was this one tree that actually had a placard there, and the placard said, this used to be the highest tree in the United States until lightning struck its top. No longer the highest tree in the United States. But it's high. Huge trees. And we're going around just enjoying all these beautiful, uh, just the scenery of these magnificent, just handiworks of God everywhere. I was walking, I came across this placard that was by the trail. And the placard was talking about these redwood trees, and it was saying something interesting I never thought about before. I sat there, or stood there, I should say, and I looked at it, and the, the placard said, The secret of these trees' success, I read the next line, is found in their roots. Okay? What's so special about that? I looked at the bottom of the diagram, and you know what it showed? It showed these huge trees with all their roots intertwined with one another. You see, the secret of these trees' growth was that their roots were connected to the roots of the other trees. This is why they grew tall, why they grew strong, and why they grew healthy. They were anchored together. God has called the body to be like that. Not to uh, forsake the assembling of your brethren, but to be anchored together. And as we are anchored together, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to grow. You know, I have this uh, midday prayer meeting. And you know what we're told in councils? That the prayer meeting is the pulse of the church. There's like six, seven people who come to prayer meeting. Sounds like this church needs to see a doctor because the pulse is fading. God has called us to understand something, and this is a wake-up call, ladies and gentlemen, and that is we need to start getting our priorities right, and we need to start saying, Lord, what would you have me to do? You've called me to this church. I really can't do anything, but I'm going to do it. And God has called us to be committed. And as we enter into the work of God, we're going to find the rest of our life being blessed. You know, remember what I told you a couple weeks ago about that man who, uh, one of my favorite speakers here, Krabi Zacharias, he went to the Middle East, and the man told him something, and he says, you Americans are like this. And he says, you have your life as a circle, and the dot in the middle represents your faith. He says, for us, our faith is this big circle, and the dot in the circle represents our lives. Our faith is the glasses by which we see everything else. And when we seek to make the service of God supreme, we will find God has more than a thousand ways to provide for all our temporal needs. Can you say amen to that? Even for the single people. When Adam was busy about the work of God, that is when God brought Eve. By the way, that's not my motive for doing the work of God. But... I want you to see that principle being exercised over and over again. When Boaz was all about his harvest, that's when Ruth showed up, uncovered his feet. The blessing came when you were busy about the work of God. And as the children of Israel be said, wait a minute, this is a wake-up call for us. We have neglected the temple. They began to hear that message and watch what the Bible says next. This is remarkable. Go all the way to verse 12. This is one month after they heard this message and they began to uh, rebuild the temple. Look what the scripture says. 
Then Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, and Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest, with all the remnant of the people, what's that next word? Obeyed the voice of the Lord their God and the words of Haggai the prophet as the Lord their God had sent him and the people feared the presence of the Lord. Now watch verse 13. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, spoke the Lord's message to the people. Watch this. Saying what? I am with you, says the what? The message came of encouragement as the people said, you know what? I'm rebuked. My heart is convicted. And they begin to put their time, their resources, their energy, and they begin to rebuild the temple. Within one month, a message came again, and the message was from Haggai, and the message said, I'm with you. A word of encouragement came. As they were obedient to God's word, they reaped the blessings, and God sent them a personal message and said, by the way, I'm with you. I'm with you now. We're on the same plane now. I'm in this with you now. Keep going. Don't stop. Keep moving forward. And they were able to rebuild that temple. Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to find something very interesting about the church too. That as we are committed to doing what God has called us to do, we will sense more and more of his presence in our lives. And the temporal things he has called us to be faithful in. And the eternal things that he has called us to place a priority in. Ladies and gentlemen, there should be no lack for the house of God. Did you know in the Old Testament when they first built that tabernacle, it had one criteria in the way that it was to be built for the resources. It was all based upon free will offerings. God would have it no other way. He's like, I don't want people to be coerced into this or manipulated. The temple of God can only be built upon the free will offerings of the people. And as they chose to do the work of God with joy in their hearts, all of a sudden the blessing came. God has called us to be joyful in the ministries he has given to us. Can you say amen to that? I always say two things. Number one, if, you're not, if you can't advertise the church you are going to, you need to find another Adventist church. The second thing is this. If you're not happy in that ministry that you are doing and making others happy, you need to step out. You hear what I said? If you're not happy in that ministry, you need to step out and allow somebody else to take that place. Somebody else much more happier will come in. Ladies and gentlemen, we need happy Christians. Amen? All the ministries of the church should not be neglected. And if we're coming to the realization, wait a minute, I haven't been really a good Christian in that ministry. God is saying to us, it's time to wake up, re-examine your ways, and then to begin to pray that God would give you a converted heart. In fact, Ellen White has this powerful vision where she says something so remarkable about people who were praying to God. And she actually describes a situation where Jesus actually gets off the throne and Satan comes in and he replaces Jesus, but he's blowing out the same kind of atmosphere except there was a neglect of something in that atmosphere. Here it is. Daystar, March 14, 1846. And I saw those who rose up with Jesus send up their faith to Jesus in the holiest and praying, Father, give us thy spirit. You're going you're to be blown away how this ends. Then Jesus would breathe on them the Holy Ghost. In the breath was light, power, and much love, joy, and peace. Now, what was in the spirit of God that Jesus was breathing out? Tell me. Light, what else? Power, what else? Much love, what? Joy, and what? 
peace. Don't forget those characteristics. Now watch what else. Then I turned to look at the company who were still bowed before the throne. They did not know that Jesus had left it. Satan appeared to be by the throne trying to carry on the work of God. Now watch this. I saw them look up to the throne and pray, My Father, give us thy spirit. Then Satan would breathe on them. Watch this. In unholy influence, in it was light and much power, but what? No sweet love, joy, and peace. The counterfeit was not found even so much in the truth. The counterfeit was found in character. Satan's spirit looked just like the spirit of God. It even had, it even had light and much power. Some kind of success was actually attending it. And it seemed to have a semblance of the truth. But there was a critical thing that was missing. And you know what it was? No sweet love, joy, and peace. We can actually do the work of God with no sweet love, joy, or peace. We may even have a certain kind of success, but still neglect the sweet love, joy, and peace. We can become so task-oriented that people are neglected. Case in point, one of my friends was changing the oil on my car, comes back to me a few hours later and says, hey, something's wrong. And I said, what's wrong? It's like, I'm having a difficult time taking off the oil filter. And I said, it's been like three hours. And I was already dressed. I was planning to go somewhere. And I was like, I started getting irritating. And I started like, all right, I'll go do it, do it myself. Done it a million times. I lay down underneath the truck, and sure enough, I look, and the new filter was on, but it wasn't screwed on right on the threading, okay? And I was like, oh, I hope this isn't stripped. And so I took the oil filter tool, I placed it on, and you know when you're working underneath the car, it's like they never designed the car for your elbows. You know, you're like this, and you have like no strength, right? And so there I was underneath the truck, and I was like turning it, and I was just like... I turned to him and I was like, how could you make this mistake about not turning it on right or putting it on right? And I was just like, (sighs) and I was starting to sweat. It was getting hot. Bit of oil was coming on near my eyelid. You know, it was like, I was just getting really frustrated. And I was like, how? I stopped and I was like, how did you end up doing this? And I turned to him. I was so angry because he didn't do something right. I was so angry with him. This was going to cost me more money if I couldn't get this thing off. A work that should have taken 15 minutes to do was now taking several hours. I was angry. And I was there, I was just put there, and I was just putting some more pressure, trying to turn this oil filter to loosen it. I should say lefty-loosey, righty-tighty. So I was like trying to loose it. And so as I was loosening it, all of a sudden, I was just convicted at that very moment. The Holy Spirit came upon me and said, Anel, what is more important, your oil filter or this man's salvation? And instantly I just stopped and I recognized that I had become so task-oriented to the point of neglecting my witness to this person. And I stopped and I said, hey, I'm sorry for my attitude, man. I apologize. And I said, we're going to get through this. And I pushed again. I loosened that thing up. Found out that the, the seal was actually put on wrong. No problem. I changed it. It was done. But I learned a valuable lesson right there. People are important. 
And as we are going about our ministries to fulfill them, as we are going about to fulfill the calling God has given to us, not to neglect those areas that are being neglected in the church. We need sweet love in how we're dealing with people. We need faithfulness. And we need an understanding that Jesus died for those very souls we are ministering to. Can you say amen to that? Ladies and gentlemen, God has called us to be faithful to his church. God has called us to be faithful to him. And as we go about the work of God, we will see what God does on our behalf. And by the way, I'm going to introduce you guys to something. We have been praying about Houston. Some of you guys have received an email. Some of you guys have heard different things about this church plant that seems to have been disappearing. But the Lord has not forgotten about Houston. We've been meeting with our church plant team, our steering committee, and we are looking at various options. Every single church has actually said no to us for us renting their church. So we recognize that when God is closing a door, he may be opening another door. We are actually inviting somebody in the month of August to come who's going to be sharing with us about ministries that were done to reach people in communities where they were standoffish. He's actually a pastor that has opened up three vegan restaurants. We don't know what the future holds, but we do know that we're going to hear him out. But God has called us to be faithful. There should be no neglect, no lack in the house of God. There should be so many people wanting to fill positions that we don't know what to do with it. Ladies and gentlemen, God has called you not to neglect the house of God. To make that a priority. And you say, Lord, where do you want me to be involved? And God will bring you the opportunity. God will bring it to you. We're moving down very fast to the end of time. And if there ever is a time that the house of God, the people of God should not be neglected, it is now. This place where love is supposed to be centered, God has called us to aid in that ministry. Ladies and gentlemen, this is a time for us to recommit ourselves to the church and to start praying, where can I be involved? What are my resources? What can I share to build up the house of God? What can I do for the ministry? Where can I go, Lord? What can I be for you? Amen? Jesus has called you, ladies and gentlemen. And so what we're going to be doing today, I'm going to invite all the praise team up again. And we're going to be singing the song, In My Life Be Glorified. In my church be glorified. So why don't we have everybody stand right now? And I want you to sing this song, not just as a song, but as a prayer, and to be saying, Lord, where can I be involved? How can you be glorified through me and in my life? What can I do for your kingdom? These are the times that God is calling us to consider our ways, ladies and gentlemen. It's now. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, we just thank you that Haggai was the man of the hour that you called in a time, Lord, where priorities were waning. And God, I know there are people in this congregation, men and women, 
who can be your men and women of the hour, who you have called not to neglect this place of worship, the center of your presence. Lord, help us to have right priorities to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And Lord, we know that you will bless us because you're faithful. May each person go out, stir in their heart, knowing that you can be truly glorified in their life and their witness and their commitment to you and this movement that you have raised up. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.